You're listening to X-Ray FM's annual Amplify Women Teach-In on International Women's Day. I'm Catherine Cusera, and today I'm joined in studio by Erica Anderson, also known as EMA. Welcome. Thank you so much. Um, Many listeners may be familiar with the music you've created under the name EMA, but today you're actually here to talk about a new project you've started in the past six months? About that, yeah. Um, And that is Secret Society. What is Secret Society? Uh, Secret Society is uh, basically a full-service studio um, in Portland, Oregon, in the old Toro Bravo building, and uh, we've been doing different sorts of recordings, done some bands, done some just uh, kind of like single mic audio work, and yeah, just starting to open that up more a little bit to the public. Very cool. Yeah, I learned about this from a kind of cryptic uh, one-off Instagram post, and my interest was so piqued. And I was just really curious because you haven't released an album since uh, 2017, 2018? 2017, yeah. And so how did Secret Society come to be? I mean, did it start with the space or...? It started started with the space. Uh, The space kind of... um, fell into our laps is me and my partner Leif who um, used to run a studio in West Oakland and, and teach uh, recording and stuff at Expression in the Bay Area. Awesome. So we kind of have this you know overlap of interests in that the the space kind of kind of fell into our laps and it's definitely one of those things that I it's like how women end up running for office and they're never like oh I should run for office it's like somebody else kind of being like maybe you should run for office. That's kind of how this studio is, is kind of like, oh, maybe I should, here, here we have this space and I have all these skills and I feel like there is kind of like a, a hole in in the kind of uh, ecosystem of like women run studios. Yeah. So put two and two together and I'm like, oh, maybe I should, maybe I should do this. Yeah. You know, you make a really good point because Portland is kind of known as a musician's town, and there are so many important bands, and particularly important musicians and bands and projects that are um, that either are led by women or involve women. Um, you know, of course, we can't neglect the Riot Girl scene and everything of the Northwest, and many, many other um, communities evolving out of that, but. Um, can you say more about the hole that you saw in in the scene in Portland or maybe even generally in the industry? Yeah, I mean, I just, I, it, it really struck me when I did put out an Instagram post and I said, I'm looking for, you know, uh, women or non-binary engineers. And I was, there were some people that got, got at me, but I was kind of expecting a lot more. There are definitely people that want to learn, mm-hmm. but... Um, you you just think there would be more who are like yes I I have you know these skills and I would like to to use them in a professional setting I'm like how amazing would it be if there was a spot where you could offer the services it doesn't have to be exclusive but you could offer the services of like an all female crew yeah and, and I'm not there yet you know I'm sure. still looking honestly. Yeah, so who is the crew so far? Um, uh, right now, it's me and Leif. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, there are other people that I'm trying to kind of um, 
get you know get in contact with and mm-hmm. and and kind of vibe out and maybe figure out where they're if there is a knowledge gap like what they would need to be caught up on right like is it just having access to pro tool software or you know because there are there are barriers to just getting the equipment or those kinds of things yeah. or um and even, yeah what are you hearing so far oh i was just going to say even for me the setting up all the mics and running the patch bay like i've been producing my own uh, music and albums for years, like right. honestly over a decade or something. But even I haven't had that much experience in these in this sort of studio, you know, where there's like nice mics, you can actually record a drum set. It sounds good, you know, but there's a lot of patching and there's a lot of outboard gear. Cool. So um, that's something that even, even I'm getting like caught up on. And I, I'm hoping that eventually then I'm good enough to teach the next person. Sure. And we can kind of grow the community from there. Yeah. So I'm hearing some values behind (laughs) this project of of kind of like what culture you want to hold in that space. And um, what experiences inform your philosophy as a producer, you know, and as a curator of that experience? Yeah, there's been so many things like uh, over the years that have really like helped me to really believe that this is an important thing to do. I'm just going to, you know, uh, reel them off here. Yeah. Um, one thing, things that jump out. Um, I remember watching, do you remember that Dave Grohl documentary about the studio, this amazing studio down in yes. LA? And it was cool. There was some cool spots about it, but there was also like pictures of topless women. Mm-hmm. And that image really stuck with me. You know, it's like, these spaces that, you know, even like the greatest rock and roll, whatever, aren't necessarily that welcoming sure. to to women. So there's that. There's like my experiences of just when I have gone into studios, like kind of being stupidly like concerned what other people, like how they perceived me, like the guy, mm. you know, the grizzled old sound guys working there and just just being a little distracted and it's like I said it's not rational but I would if you go into a situation like that where it's you know I think we all kind of have this idea of the stereotypical like either sound guy or sound engineer who's maybe a little jaded it can kind of mess with you and it can make mm-hmm. you second guess stuff and I think if there was just a space that is totally um, welcoming and open. And so far the bands that I've brought in, yeah, they have like lyrics that m- maybe they would feel weird like recording this if it was just like, you know, sure. stereotypical grizzled old sound guy being like, you're singing what, you know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and to have a space where you can show up to record your voice and yeah. your music and not have to use your voice, you know, even more just to be heard like, to have your monitor turned up, for example, or yeah. that kind of thing. And then it's also really important to me to try and and um, get really the intent uh, and the aesthetics correct. Like mm. another experience that I that really struck me is I remember there was a band that I loved, and it was like you know all women, this really crazy like kind of punk band, and they were kind of like sloppy and. Not as sloppy, but loud and and distorted, and you know this amazing yeah. live experience. And then they had an album, and it sounded so 
tamed, I mm. guess. Like, it really made me be like, is this what you, is this, when you went into the studio, is this what you wanted? You know, this, this version of, of, of your songs that is very, like, clean and very, I, I don't know. I'm just wondering, like, how much, how much intent is not getting out there? Yeah, so, like, as the producer, you know, before you even get into the booth or whatever and and hit record, um, what do you what do you need to know about the artist or about their work or about that session that day to to do a good job of producing them? <laughs> yeah, um, the things that are helpful for me is I will ask them for uh, playlists of, of songs they like and they want to sound like, and then I'll also ask them for things they don't want to sound like. Right. And it, sometimes that's just as helpful, if not more. Yeah. That, con- like, yeah. <laughs> Something to bounce off of and, and steer like, away Like, don't from. get me yeah. wrong in this way. Right. Um, so that that's definitely a big thing. And then I try to, if I can... I mean, so much of, of being able to, uh, like, produce or get get the sound you want, it's, it's you know, some of it's technical style, and some of it's just about vocabulary and communication. Sure. And people maybe have these sounds in their head and these I- ideas, but they, they don't know how to use the words. Like, I want this to have a high-pass filter on it. I want more reverb. I want, you know, this sort of slapback delay or whatever, you know. So kind of trying to figure out the communication so that people can communicate with you what their intention is. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I have a lot of friends who are hairdressers. And oh, my God, I'm, yeah. I'm seeing a correlate, you know, a, a comparable experience there where somebody comes and sits in your chair and says, you know, I think I want a little off here or maybe a little, but not too short. And the difference that it makes when you understand what someone thinks is cool or attractive or, totally. you know, what TV show icon they're trying to yeah, what channel. Yeah, what something. aesthetic language are they speaking? Mm-hmm. Like, what are they going for? What is, yeah, just all that stuff. What, are, what, are, what is the intention, like I said? Mm. And, and what, yeah, what do they think is cool? Yeah. And I think we've seen a big I have seen a difference between who's behind the camera, like with women photographers and women filmmakers. We just get slightly different results. Hmm. Um, maybe you'll linger on a face a little bit longer to pick up, you know, these sort of micro expressions rather than relying on like, you know, these explosions or whatever. That's completely the most like stereotypical. But you know what I mean? I'm just trying to give an example. Sure. And so so I'm wondering like what what is music gonna sound like depending on who's behind the board and will that change? Yeah. Have you had an experience with a producer while making music that um, that made you feel really seen and understood or gave you that language? Or conversely, that, you know, showed you some of the ways that you would go on to do things differently uh that's a good question i know that might be tricky well, to I, speak to i have been very self-produced yeah and 
it's not and I, I actually came from it from editing video so I had mm. this this idea about nonlinear editing I understood how to you know get clips you know organize my media put plugins in to like affect stuff but not a lot of people aren't coming to it from that and some of them some of them are people are recording I think like the laptop is a very like sort of feminist recording tool in this way because it allows you to create your own little worlds and I think what I'm trying to do is is actually just offer things that I didn't feel were available Mm -hmm. to me at the time so I didn't really go that much into studios um but I don't want it to be that the only way that you can get your your sound across is if you spend like I did hours weeks years learning how to get it yourself yeah yeah that's such a good point like let it be known that it is legit to use your laptop and self-produce your music and that is something that's so powerful now in the age of the internet (laughs) Um, however many years into that we are and but but there is more that someone can do and only with with help. <laughs> yeah, and I I I didn't even really understand the the point of a studio in some ways. I thought I could do it all on my laptop. When I go back and listen to things that actually were recorded in studio, it sounds so good. It's just like you can only kind of get so much out of your laptop. Sure. Um, one of the other things that I do want to support though is, is is people who are making music on their laptop and they just want to come in for like a thing or two at the studio. Yeah. So I've had somebody like, you know, self-producing their tracks but they come in to record vocals through our like really nice mic and really nice vocal chain and then they're going to take those files back and you know, pick the best take, manipulate them. I don't necessarily need to do all the steps, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Could you tell us more about kind of what services or programs Secret Society will offer or does? Yeah. Um, so we've kind of we've d- been pretty flexible so far. We've done uh, several kind of like punk bands that come in and we just do like a blazingly fast session where we try and get uh, as much recorded and mixed in a fairly short amount of time. And for that, it's kind of it's some of it's about quote unquote producing for me, but in, in that way the the producer role is just making everyone comfortable communicating what is working what and what isn't working with their sound. Like some people have these ideas, oh, I we want our music to sound like this, you know, and and you have to say, well, if you really want that, you're gonna have to record to a click track, or if mm. you really you know if you really want that, this is how you're gonna get there, and this is how you're different and right. Um, so some of it's just like that, just recording, you know, and that the studio is really well set up for that. It's it's because it's really hard to record drums on your own if you don't have a room like this and you don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's one of the huge ones. So bands will come in and we just like, you know, rush through not rush, but, you know, just blazingly fast. We get everything set up, get everything sounding great. Mm-hmm. And then they play their live set. And we, so that's just kind of like, that's one thing that we do is try and like, you know, kick out an EP in like a weekend, right? Yeah. And some of the role of producer then is that is, is also just keeping the vibe good and keeping everyone on task and keeping everyone excited. And if you do that right, it's like this 
amazing experience for the band. Mm. It's like really everyone has a great time. It's really fun. You feel like you really are like accomplishing something and it's like this bonding. It's like a retreat. It kind of is. It kind of is like a treat. So that's that's one of the things we do. Um, we also I'll just do single mic work. So mm. that'll just be someone comes in and, and wants to, you know, record vocals. So do some of that and then we just set them up, you know, in our great fantastic uh, chain which we have like a a manly vocal mic going into a, a manly uh, compressor. And both those are actually, even though the name is manly, is uh, made by a woman uh, engineer. So that that's cool. Bless. Yeah. So, you know, people bring in their own sessions and record, you know, audio on top of that. Um, I also saw that you offered a workshop recently, um, Ecological Principles in Emergent Patching, which... I can assume is related to the work that you've done in the past with S1. Yes, Uh, that was, yeah, it was kind of like S1. We kind of co-sponsored that, but they, they booked that. That's another thing I definitely want to do more of is have like education and. Yeah. Can you tell, tell us more about that? Like what visions do you have about educational programming or if not the exact (laughs) plan yet? Like, um, why is that important? Oh, I mean, Besides offering a place for people to work on their music, I, I also really want to support community. Mm. Um, I think we can see how much has really been, been lost over the past few years with, with COVID. Um, also, I think it's been making it different that, like, you know, venues, maybe certain venues have gone under, you know, specifically S1, like, doesn't have a physical space right now. And That's right. So that's also really important to both Leif and I. It's just like, yeah, having just anything that's community building mm-hmm. really is mm-hmm. like. And so I think we're interested also in, in kind of partnering with other people. I'd love to get some more like production workshops and maybe kind of similar to the S1 uh, modular synth workshop and the Women's Beat League um, so mm-hmm. yeah, we're open. You know, if you have an idea, if you're interested in doing this work, you know, you hear that Portland? Oh, yeah, get at me. You know, the DMs are open. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they're actually. Oh my god! Open. No, I, I just made I just made an Instagram account for Secret Society Studios, and so you can. That's a good place to hit me up, Secret Society Studios. And I also uh, just wanted to mention that what I. I, we have the great, you know, these big pair of Focal speakers, and I know that a lot of people do production work on their own laptops, but they might not have a great place to mix. Right. That's, yes. Yeah. G- you know what? Like, give us the the tech deets. Like, <laughs> let's nerd out for a second. Okay. Like, what's in there? What are you stoked about? Or what? how did you get this stuff? <laughs> I mean, this is, a lot of this is picked out by uh, my partner Leif, who has just been a gear, really smart with gear for a really long time, has a very kind of technical brain, went to through the Tamara program at Oberlin, which mm. is the like arts and tech program. So he really picked out, he really picked it all out. Um, like I said, we have this beautiful like manly microphone that we're mostly using on vocals that's going into a manly vox box, which means you can kind of, what I love about that is you can go from really quiet to really loud and it's not going to peak. Yeah. It's got this beautiful compressor in it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a bunch of other 
preamps, like, uh, you know, just the API ones. We have um, some Seventh Circle Audio ones that are kind of like clones of other famous uh, uh, preamps. We have like a hand-built Neve. Uh, we have a, you know, there's LA-2A in there. There's some SSL channel strips. Um, as far as microphones, I talked about the, the manly one. We have the Kiwi, a blue Kiwi, which is what I used to use on my vocals, but now I'm kind of leaning more towards manly. We have some, these Neumanns KM-184s that sound really great on just about anything, mm -hmm. really. A bunch of drum microphones. Um, and also right now we have a friend's... Steinway piano. Wow. In there. We haven't used that one on a recording yet, but you know, that's that's available. Super cool. Yeah. And then in the future the dream is to get a spatial audio rig yeah. happening. So people, you know, people can mix their stuff. That's the dream, you know, knock on wood, into like either, you know, Dolby Atmos or some other sort of spatial. Yeah. For the non audio nerds yeah. out there, could you just break <laughs> down what um, what that specifically does and just generally what the difference is for, um, versus like recording yeah. at home. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, here at X-Ray, we have seen how important it is to democratize yeah. <laughs> audio content production and, and how the pandemic really forced that for a lot of folks. And so it's really awesome to, um, realize how many tools are at hand to produce at home. Um, but you have spoken earlier in this conversation about, you know, what are some of those things that are really worth it to go into the studio technically as well as like morale wise? Oh um, yeah. So, I mean, beyond these sort of the, the technical benefits of having like probably more expensive microphones. I mean, the thing is about the studios, you buy a bunch of expensive stuff and then you maintain it and people aren't going to have access unless, you know, unless you're like a millionaire, you probably won't have access to put that sort of resources into, um, into your own, into owning it. Right. Sure. Yeah. So part of the studio is, is kind of being like, Hey, we have, we, we have these resources and you don't have to worry about maintaining them. You don't have to worry about buying them, but you can still have access to them just show up and make the music. Yeah, show yeah. up and make the music. And so there's the technical aspect of, of why a studio can be helpful. And then there's also like, like I said, the other role of, of producing is kind of like morale, mm -hmm. having another set of ears, mm -hmm. um, just hit and stop and start. You know, it's like when you're, I, I'm fine to produce my own um, vocals and all that stuff, but I love when someone else is running the board for me, you know, like, Pressing start and stop, checking the levels, like making sure things sounded good, helping me figure out what take it was good, you know? Mm -hmm. So it can be a lot faster and it it does feel kind of amazing to have someone else <laughs> interfacing with the technology for you. So you can just like kind of zone out, like, I don't know, stare at a candle or whatever and like get your vocal take, get you in know? Get your flow state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Not have to be like, oh no, did I, you know? Because that's what you want to do. You just I, I tell bands that come in, it's like, okay, it's a lot of setting up. Sometimes it can be a little bit of hurry up and wait. But all you really need for making an EP, you need 20 minutes of concentration. So what we're trying to do in a studio, too, is, is get the whole vibe correct and then just capturing that kind of lightning in a bottle. I'm hoping that 
I can like offer a space where where I don't know punks and weirdos can come in and not feel self-conscious like and they can say you know like radically political things Mm. or they can you know be like you know women and be angry at the same time or you know just whatever like have a space that feels that you don't feel self-conscious in and also to say hey yeah you you deserve to record it in a nice studio like just because you're making stuff that's kind of fringe Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you shouldn't be able to have it like documented really well and have it sound really good right yeah I mean it sounds like that's at least one of the many things that artists who do come to secret society to record or or work with you in some other way are going to find that's unique about this studio because there are other studios in town oh, yeah, there are right? a ton. yeah yeah totally so, great ones and there's you're kind of honing in on something that actually a little birdie <laughs> gave me a tip that you had mentioned you were interested in like kind of band coaching yeah and so what are some of the components of um coaching that a producer can bring to the space and that not not everyone does <laughs> because they don't have to yeah so there's there's a this is something what i'm thinking about offering is is things that I wish I had mm. when I was kind of coming up. Um, so there are kind of two aspects of that. One, again, is the technical. Like yeah. I had someone come in with their set, have it set it up. You know, I looked over their Ableton session. We talked about, you know, what sort of cables and everything that they would need to make this sound the best they could, what's going to make the best show, just actual feedback that's one thing I always wanted it's like hey how was the show you know a lot of people oh yeah it's cool but it's very hard to get someone to be like you know what would be good is if you like switched out this microphone or sure. you use the direct this or this doesn't match like what so anyway so there's that technical aspect that's extremely helpful um one of the things that I really wish that I had when I was kind of coming up is just anyone to call and ask any industry questions to at all like I remember you know someone off like a label offering me a contract and I was just like I literally don't know anyone that like I was in the noise scene like I was in the experimental scene I didn't know anyone that ever signed a contract really so I had no one to ask yeah and so all that stuff like hey do I need a booking agent you know who is this do I need a manager what why why aren't I getting you know, press or what would you do differently? There's, so there's a lot of like kind of um, industry things. And then I also feel like one thing that I know bands really need is sometimes someone to help with the relational aspects of it. So just either creative differences, people wanting different things, people, it's relationships it, within the band. Within the band. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's being in a band is, is, can be very stressful. Touring can be really stressful. It's almost like having like a romantic relationship and a business or something. Um, And so, yeah, I'm kind of, I've done a little bit of that so far and I think it's really helpful for for people to have um, just someone who's been through it and has that experience and is is very non-judgmental to listen and kind of clarify and help, you know, help people with these relationships that can get very heated. Right. Yeah. Do you have 
one piece of advice for people in bands, <laughs> um, particularly women and non-binary folks, non-cis men in bands, for how to maintain healthy relationships with their bandmates? Ooh. Wow, this is a this is a great question. I think there are a couple things. One of the things that I would say to people in that situation is just like what you're doing is hard. Touring is hard. It's very taxing on your mental and physical health. And it is it's okay if you got if you're not getting along with everyone in the band. That's natural because you're going through very stressful things together. So like, don't feel bad. Take care of yourself. Yeah. Um, and just kind of give people space mm-hmm. and forgive. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're going through hard things together. Try not to carry grudges. You know, try not to. And sometimes this is the thing. Sometimes things need to be talked about and processed, and sometimes they don't. Sometimes mm. you literally just need like some days or hours away from each other. Like especially on tour, you don't always need to talk everything to death. So it's it's kind of about um, figuring out when it is really important to communicate and when it's important just to give space. Right. Just to let it go. Yeah, just let it go and just be like, oh, okay, I know this about this person. It drives me nuts. Yeah. Sure, we'll eat at Subway and not Del Taco. Yeah, yeah. Fine. Oh, it's hard. I'll pick next time. <laughs> <laughs> it's real, especially on tour, it is really hard because you all have to kind of have like this, you, you feel like you have to agree on everything at least. Yeah. You know, and oh man, it just it just can be extremely stressful. Yeah, how does that show up in the studio? Because a band is, you know, however many individual human beings with their their own visions. So how do you help a band unify their vision? Mm. I think uh, like communication, like I was, uh, I talked about at one point is kind of giving a, an outside perspective on what, what, what they're doing is communicating. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in, in some ways it's like a million little things. Sure. And it's like, so, Basically, my role as a you know producer is to make sure that we get the thing done. Yeah, um, and then also it's you know it's really about kind of approaching everyone with respect and communicating my what I'm hearing and mm-hmm. what I think it's communicating to as far as sonically. Um, like for example, if someone's like oh, can we turn the drums up here? Maybe I would say something like, uh, yeah, but then you're not going to be able to hear the vocals as well. Stuff like that. And to me, that communicates this. Or like, somebody, I want this guitar tone. I'm like, okay, well, that sounds kind of like, um, you know, that's kind of emo or whatever. Or that's like this. That's what it's going to sound like. Is, is that what you want? Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, when so far, like the 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 bands that I've worked with, we do it kind of so quickly in a good way that there hasn't been a lot of drama. And I think part of it is just, like I said, it's a million little things. Just be cool, you know, and just like kind of try and be very calm and even keel with how you communicate with everybody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
um, and just treat all the members with with respect and try and kind of get people's um, yeah, I mean, at this point, most of the bands that have come in I, are are great, and I haven't had a lot of issues with it. But it's also I don't Good. know if I would, yeah, if I was like I think part of it is just though the the vibe of I think I do a good job. <laughs> sure, I mean, probably without even realizing it, um, some folks are coming in and feeding, you know, drinking in that calm and supportive energy that that it sounds like you're cultivating just by listening and say reflecting back what you're hearing and then saying is that what you want ultimately exactly. in the end because yeah. it's your art <laughs> yeah. yeah and I've been on both sides like I'm not right. just a audio engineer yes. or producer like I have been I have more experience actually being in the band you know mm-hmm mm-hmm how much creative input should the producer have or can one generalize about that? It's really what you're being asked for. Yeah. And that's another that's another aspect of it is kind of figuring out the, the boundaries and where you're needed and where you're not. I definitely came into it with the idea that my role is to make sure that the, the the musician's intention comes across what they want um you know i want to make sure that i'm delivering that uh but then i i think it is sometimes good to they might have things that they never thought about like let's put let's put some fuzz on the vocals um so i i like to give options for that and just but i, I i'm not really at this point i'm not I don't know. I'm being more facilitative, but I'm also getting feedback that I think people want a more hands-on role for me. Mm-hmm. Like they want me to like, hey, will you just like EMA my track? <laughs> you know. Um, what does that mean? I know. We're going to find out, I guess. It's like it's it's like I said, it's something that's um that just, special sauce. Yeah, exactly. Just whatever. The little the the lens, the EMA sonic lens. It's like it, it kind of seems like the um, the approach that we've been discussing carries through, which is, I guess you'll know that you've nailed the EMA sound if you get the feedback <laughs> from the artist that you got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, who is, do you have a dream band or artist that you would want to produce or collaborate Ooh, with? Oh, this is very interesting. I haven't. Okay, give me a second here to think about. We could do dead or alive. Okay. <laughs> I would be interested in, in working on some more sort of experimental stuff. Like uh, Meredith Monk came into my mind for whatever mm. reason. She's just, she has such a unique vision. She mm-hmm. like, does a lot of vocal stuff, um, layering of vocals in group ensemble. And, you know, like Laurie Anderson. I want to do mm. some weird... I like doing the weird art recordings, you know? Like, that's that's something that I'm interested in. It's kind of like these multi Calling all weir- weird art girls <laughs> yes! and weird art girl adjacent people. Exactly. You're listening to X-Ray FM's annual Amplify Women Teach-In on International Women's Day. 
I'm Catherine Cusera, and today I'm joined in the studio by Erica Anderson, also known as EMA. So you grew up in South Dakota. Yeah. And you live in Portland now. When did you come to Portland? I moved to Portland in like 2010. What's distinct about being a musician living and working in Portland as opposed to other places you've been? Oh, this that's that's an interesting question. I mean, I have been I've lived in LA, I lived in the Bay Area um before moving here and always kind of been part of the like experimental mm-hmm. uh some would say quote unquote noise scene. Sure. Uh and sort of DIY scene. Um Portland has a has a lot of really deep thinkers about sound, I think, and some people that are actually doing some really cutting edge stuff on the like experimental music tip. Um, and I one thing I find here is that there's like this ecological aspect. Mm. There's like this idea that the 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 sounds and the tones are being made are like kind of related to the big trees that we have around here, the moss, the mm-hmm. like waterfalls. I don't know. I feel I feel this ecological um, and geographical connection mm-hmm. here that I think is really interesting. Yeah. I think I, I think in some ways it used to be able to easier to break out of Portland than maybe it is. Well, I won't go into that. I don't know. Unformed thought. Yeah, I'm interested in what yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. thinking. Well, because I I. I am interested. The reason I ask about, you know, as a working musician living in Portland, like, um, I think that, you know, in a place that is very hospitable to kind of DIY and experimental, you know, fringe subcultures, there's a lot of activity and energy in that way here in Portland. And at the same time, like, that can be really, really hard on folks who are in communities where kind of, I don't know how to say, I guess breaking out or um, professionalizing their artistic projects um, is ostracized or somehow seen as like selling out or, um, and yet there are so many amazing music professionals in Portland and people making, you know, gear here, making amazing pedals and instruments and, you know, people who are really embedded in the community who run venues and things like that. So it's just like that contradiction um, and that aspirational, like, bent that is seems really possible and within reach in some ways in Portland is also like... It's a it's a small big town and th- this is similarly unformed. But I I'm just curious, like yeah. you know, coming here and you already being a musician and working and touring and you know, really like s- digging your heels into your weirdo experimental corner of um, and making it work, and then coming to Portland, like I imagine you would have some perspective that maybe some of us who have been in the water (laughs) for a while um there's you're right that there is kind of a contradiction and 
it feels like you could probably find something to contradict this, but it feels like it's just there's not industry in the same way. There's not industry connections in the same way in a place like New York or L.A. Sure. And in those kind of bigger cities, it's easier to kind of make the jump from um, playing at DIY venues to, I guess, springboarding into things that have a little more national or international exposure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's like, I don't necessarily get, uh, well, now that I'm doing the studio, besides the studio, kind of before that, just musically and artistically don't necessarily get a lot of my offers or business, you would say from within Portland. Mm. Like I just like, it, it comes from places that often comes from places that have, that are larger. It's like New York, L.A., London, Mm -hmm. Berlin, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, on the one hand, you have this really supportive, you know, this is like the kind of like their birthplace as far as, you know, here in Olympia and all this stuff of like this kind of like Mm do-it-yourself culture and this, this like independent music. Yeah. And it's amazing, you know, kill rock stars, all that stuff. Uh but it is, I, I don't know, it does seem harder to break out or, or have the things that you do go national or go international. It does seem like it's not just your imagination if it seems harder, I think. Let's keep talking about that, everyone <laughs> in Portland. <laughs> I don't know what to do about it yet, but well, it I mean, seems it's really important to validate that and to, to question it, lovingly critique that because... Um, you know, I'm sure that there are things beyond our control, <laughs> um, geographically or what have you, yeah. but it's just like, I mean, a lot of cities will feel the same way. You yeah. know, I, I remember playing some, you know, great show that I thought went really well in, in San Francisco it was like a big band opening up for a big band and kind of being like, Oh, it seemed like everyone liked it. talking to like a, a label person, someone who owned a label and oh, it seemed like they really liked it in the Bay Area. And he's kind of like, yeah, who gives a about the Bay Area? You know, he's he's like, you know, it is. You know, for some people, it's London, New York, L.A., or it's not even just London. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there, and that's just, that is, that's industry. And it's like infrastructure. And even like participating in fame, people think of it as being this kind of abstract thing that like happens to you. But for a lot of people in places like those larger media centers, it's like these actions that you do. It's these things that you show up to. It's these like, you know, pictures that you let yourself be taking of you. It's this industry stuff. It's participating in the larger industry. Yeah. It's it's taking on marketing and brand building <laughs> on top of, you know, grinding on the oh yeah yeah production <laughs> that's a whole other yeah <laughs> whole other thing well even just the fact that like san francisco which is one of the biggest cities on the west coast um and another prolific music town or whatever you want to say um like they have women's audio mission which is this wonderful nonprofit organization um that does education 
educational programming for women and non-binary people getting into sound engineering, um, music production, music creation, but also um, is doing a lot of that work of, of kind of basically what you're doing with Secret Society on, on a larger and well-funded scale yeah, yeah. <laughs> of, of saying like, hey, um, you know, women and other people who are not cis men in the industry, like, come together, find community and solidarity, and also um, the organization plays the role of connecting them with opportunities and mm. has, like, a professional job board and things like that. And you could, you know, with their connection and that facilitative role, um, produce a whole album or a tour with, in theory, all people who are severely underrepresented in, in the sector. So um, it's high time that Portland had something like yeah. that. And it does in a lot of iterations like S1, as we've referred to. And like Girls Rock Camp. And, and Girls and Rock and Roll for Camp for Girls yeah. and School of Rock. And, um, you know, Music Portland is doing a lot of wonderful advocacy. But um, I, I think just on a personal note, that, that was what really excited me about seeing that Instagram post. Um, for one, that it wasn't like overly produced, that it was just like, I'm doing this thing. I want you to be part of it. Is there anyone else out there? And that is so in line with that DIY zine culture, you know, of just like, hey, world, I'm going to show up and see what happens and please come and um so I'm really excited to see what happens with that me too me too I mean I think like I said if there's a city that should have hey do you want to be able to go in a studio atmosphere where it's like women are women are the crew you know mm-hmm. it should be Portland we mm-hmm. should have it you know and or you're not on the defense about what you're using music to convey which could be anger which could be outrage which could be you know any number of things but yeah yeah I you know one of the early bands we had come in was this cool band from Seattle called Rachel's Children and like one of their songs is called cis white male you know or cis white yeah Mm -hmm. and just to be able to just sing that and like not you know feel self-conscious I think yeah yeah um do you have any producer like mentors or idols? Mm. Wow. I mean, I it's funny. I have not really engaged with any of the like Rick Rubin stuff that has been in this most current news cycle, but he always was someone that if you look at like his the list of what he's done is pretty impressive. Uh, so that's I don't. But the thing is, I don't know. I don't know what, what he's been talking about lately. I know some people are like, man, it's like he's done a lot of good stuff, you know. Um, I'm, you know, up in some ways about there. There are albums that I love, and there are, there are producers that I love. But the thing that I'm excited about right right now is like when weirdos create their own little worlds you know however they do it um that's that's kind of what I'm into like singular visions Mm. and what I would like to do is just kind of like in those cases kind of like help facilitate 
that like maybe they're bringing it up to the next level getting it mixed correctly get it giving some advice on how to you know uh bring it out into the world tour with it or whatever that's like a little bit more what i'm kind of excited and and looking to more than necessarily like the history of rock and roll yes canon you know sure (laughs) yeah um I think that's really cool and I think that you know putting a door and some hinges on that little world so that other people can come into it is is so important so I love that yeah I that's great like yeah as a producer I guess I want to I want to help you put a door and hinges on your world so that the rest of the world can experience it. Yeah. Or you can kick it down. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, I'm just curious about this, about with everyone that I'm talking to in my life right now. Like, thinking back to late 2019, early 2020, what were you up to? What did you have planned? Oh, man. Well, in 2020, I went on tour with Lowe, which was great. Um, Can you say a little bit more about that tour? Like, how long was it? Oh, yeah. So it was mostly just a West Coast tour. They wanted me to do, like, New Mexico through, I forget. But I just jumped on more on West Coast. I'm like, I don't want to I want to drive through the, through the South. <laughs> Fair um, enough. Yeah. I mean... It, kind of like my career in general a lot of it is just having the right offer come in at the right time it's like and I say that for me as like this is the right offer to keep me engaged this is like Mm. the right offer to make me excited because you know even though I do have had you know a decent amount of success in music, I still have these insecurities, like especially around like how much money am I making, or mm. it, just just any of it. You know, it's 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 not a. It seems like you know it's hard to be a musician. It doesn't seem like it's getting easier. So I do have these kind of insecurities, and I'll often think, oh, I should I should go and I should do something else, and then there'll be something that shows up that'll bring me back to music. Mm. Um, so like you know, 2018, it was like Depeche Mode calling metaphorically calling you know emailing but uh and being like hey do you want to go on tour and I'm like oh yeah I do you know because I was like I don't want to tour anymore and then Depeche Mode called okay okay well now I don't want to tour anymore and then low calls I'm like oh okay (laughs) (laughs) and so um Mm. even over the pandemic I was like kind of looking at different different things that maybe I could do and then the studio shows up and I'm like wow this is this is actually a great challenge for me and it's like it's something that I'd be good at so and when did that start to materialize again like where was that in the timeline um that was probably around kind of like the beginning of 2022 Mm. and so that uh so the studio the the building was all built out but we had to like buy gear and kind of you know just get it up and running yeah so yeah do you feel like you've changed as a person like since 2020 oh yeah I mean I one of the things that I've been excited about so I I mean I turned 40 uh last year and 
it's something that I've been kind of looking forward to for a while. Mm. I feel like I it's given me permission to do to become this this the next version of myself. Mm. And it, it, as far as just I don't know, it just next version of myself as an artist, next iteration. And part of that is also wanting to share, like share a lot of the wisdom and experiences that I've had with others and share this like technical knowledge that I have about making music and making records. So it's, it's, those are some things that, that are really important to me, like community and facilitating building bonds and and helping people create I feel very good about the records that I've made I feel like I'm I'm proud of all of them I don't have anything really that I you know any songs that I or anything I look back and I'm like oh no and I definitely still want to keep doing more stuff but I also really want to turn around and help other people get to that point so Mm -hmm. they have stuff that they're proud of yeah and I just, I know that for me, like, when I feel, like, anxiety or scarcity or, you know, self-doubt and just overwhelm, like, just, I I can pretty confidently say this across the board, that the antidote is almost always just help someone else for a second. Mm. Just do something in service and it'll come back around, you know? And that... I can imagine that, you know, being in community with other people making work and um, pushing themselves to learn new things and to be out of their comfort zones is a self-propagating inspiration cycle, you know, like because in between albums, sometimes there's a lot of pressure or like, you know, anxiety. Am I going to find it again or am I going to find it on time? (laughs) Yeah, or just the kind of weird disconnect that comes from like experiencing experiencing a lot of art you know via social media or you know kind of music as like this almost like visual medium now that we you know that we see the people we know who they are we maybe know what their songs sound like and then you know these bands come in it's this visceral live experience it's like oh my god live music and and like self-expression and and it's just it is. It, it helps me, like, get excited again instead of kind of being, like, I don't know, bemoaning <laughs> all the things you can complain about about music, you know, which was uh, the music industry, you know, which there is plenty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so on on that tip, like, when you're in the position of getting to take in all the energy that someone's putting out in their performance in the studio, like, do you find that your experience as a performer, because you know, in addition to the albums you've made, like your live performance is really singular (laughs) and it's, it's a visceral experience in and of itself. Um, And you, you cultivate a whole vibe, you know, aesthetically as well as like inviting the audience to feel in their bodies, (laughs) um, your music and the the lyrical content. So I was just curious, this is way too much preamble, but (laughs) um, what are the parallels between performing live as a musician and then producing? Like, are there any, or do you have to get in the zone before you go in for a session with another artist? I mean, I wanna be 
centered. Mm. I think, you know, a good lesson for any performer to try and figure out is what is the right amount to do. Like what's too much? What's kind of like when it gets over into like acting territory versus like experiencing? Yeah. Um, and I think that's just one of those things that it's just kind of like a lifetime of experience and, and trying to do, you know, and, and examine and play with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, right. One of the things that I'm coming up to next that I think is going to happen. I don't totally, but I think it's going to happen is <laughs> I'm, I'm working on, uh, like in 2015, I was doing these kind of hybrid performances that were like partially like, VR and partially like um, narrative durational type of things. That's right. We will link to that in the show notes. Yeah, cool. <laughs> um, and got to do those in, in some museums, which was awesome. And so that's something that I'm also ex- excited to play with as I'm, as I have, you know, I played, in, I played in arenas now, you know what I mean? Like I have, I've done it. It was awesome. Maybe I do it again, you know, but it's like, I, I don't, I'm hungry for something else. I'm hungry mm-hmm. to expand the form. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working with uh, Tabitha Nikolai, who was a, a artist and kind of like video game designer mm-hmm. as well as art professor. And so we're trying to come up with, with a hybrid performance type of thing. And so that's another thing that I'm very excited to expand upon, not just like the rock performance but kind of I don't know I've I'm trying to get to the point where I feel like I've proven myself to myself and just gonna do the stuff that interests me mm-hmm. yeah and the through line I'm really hearing is collaboration and communication or um collaboration and community building and like yeah fine. which is funny because when you say it I'm like yeah that is what I keep talking about even though I can be very singular when I'm making my music <laughs> But that sounds liberating. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it just really comes into stark relief when you have years that you don't see anyone (laughs) like these past pandemic years. You're like, oh, this really makes my life, this is what life's, this is what life's about. Like going and seeing your friends play (sighs) and like hanging out and experiencing live music and interacting with one another. Like that's, that's, That's kind of it. it. That's it. That's it, you know. 